Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At Wednesday at noon Mass, we were confronted with a question. How do we perceive, how do we know Jesus Christ, our Savior? How do we see Him? Do we really understand all about His nature? What is it that we understand about his nature particularly? What do we perceive as his nature and disposition toward each one of us? Because I tell you the truth, all of us at times, we tend to see God with poor prescription eyeglasses because of our brokenness coupled with the deceit of an enemy that doesn't want us to see his disposition toward us clearly. Not any different, by the way, than Adam and Eve in the garden. When they, being weak and immature and young, so to speak, fell to a deception that caused disobedience, when God came calling to them to come to Him, what do they do? They hide as if they perceived He was calling them to come to Him so that He could exact punishment. They feared presenting themselves to the God who had created them. We do the same. We do the same. Please hear this. A great measurement that reveals whether we truly know Christ our God for who He really is is shown in how we respond to Him when we fail, when we fall short, sinning from our brokenness and from our spiritual immaturity. How we see Jesus Christ how we perceive Him and how we know Him is directly proportional to how we see ourselves and how we respond to Him in the times where the illness of our soul volcanoes up and we fall short and sin. And today I have the blessing because of the parable that we're given. I have the blessing and the joy of revealing, as, as Christ has revealed to the church, the true nature and disposition of our Lord Jesus Christ to each of us, who He really is, which I pray will help us run to Him in our greatest failures. Today in our Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 10, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. And while most certainly our Lord is telling this parable because of a Jewish Hebrew lawyer who stands up and tries to justify himself to Jesus, as to what it really means. He asked Jesus, so what does it mean to love your neighbor? Jesus is going to teach him exactly what it means how to love one's neighbor. How to love one's neighbor by revealing his nature of how he loves neighbor in the telling of the parable that we're going to speak about today of the Good Samaritan. And in Jesus teaching him, he's teaching him his own nature. And here's what he says in the parable. A man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's met with thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and left him half dead. A priest came by, but ignored the one suffering. He walked on the other side of the road. A Levite came by and did the exact same thing. Now a Samaritan sees the suffering man and has compassion on that man's suffering. <clears throat> And he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought, to him, brought him to an inn where he could be cared for. And the next day as he's leaving, he goes to the innkeeper and he gives the innkeeper finances 
to care for this man till his healing is complete and says, when I return, I'll repay you in full for what, I, for what you spend if you spend any extra. Now let's hear the interpretation of this parable in the heart of the church fathers that Christ revealed to them. I'm going to speak mainly from the teachings of St. Ambrose, but a few others as well. St. Ambrose taught extensively about this. He said, Jerusalem is the image of paradise. Jericho is the image of the world after the fall. The man going down, notice going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. There is a fall taking place. He is going to a lower elevation. Is none other seen the fall of mankind spoken of by our Lord Jesus Christ, the fall from paradise to the lesser. And the thieves that come and beat, beat him relentlessly, leaving him in an even lesser condition and robbing him of his belongings, they represent Satan and the demonic, robbing us of our truly created personhood, robbing us of the glory of God that was shared for us to us in paradise. In the beginning, all of that which we lost. And now Jesus steps in with himself. And he shows us his wondrous nature and his intent toward each one of us. Because he's the Samaritan. The Samaritan, remember this. A Samaritan to the Hebrews was the lowest of the low of humanity. They literally saw them much less of a human being than themselves, the Hebrews did. So Jesus makes him the lowest of the low, showing us how far our Lord condescended and lowered himself to come to us in our damaged condition and bring us back up to that heavenly Jerusalem. And now we see by the actions of the Samaritan, his intent toward each one of us. Jesus is this Samaritan. He sees the man who had been robbed and beaten and lying half dead. And what had become of him. And scripture says this. And you heard it. He had compassion on him. In other words. The Samaritan. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Was filled with grief. And was filled with agony and pain. Over what this man had become. And it ached him so much inside. That it moved him to act. On the behalf of the person who was suffering. And so he comes to him. And how does he act on his behalf? He starts to bandage him up. He begins the healing process of the person. How? Bandaging his wounds and pouring oil and wine. Oil and wine, my friends. He's healing him with the sacraments. He's healing him with the sacraments. He put the broken man on his animal and brought him to the inn, which represents the church. Where he gave money to those in the end that the man could continue. They could provide for his healing until the healing was complete. And what is the money? St. Ambrose says it's the divine grace, the divine presence, and the divine power of God with us in the church for the continued healing of all of our souls. St. Augustine says it this way, speaking to all Christians. Wine and oil have been poured on you. You have received the sacraments of the only begotten Son. You have been lifted unto His mule. You have believed that Christ became flesh. You have been brought to Him, and you are being cured in the church. In this parable, our Lord Jesus Christ is showing us both who He 
is not and who he is. When he looks at the extent of our fallenness, our brokenness, and all that's been stolen from us by the demonic, he is not repulsed in a way that makes him shun him, shun us from himself. He sees it for what it is. He sees it for the lowly estate. He sees it for something so opposite of what he created. But he is not repulsed away from us by it like the priest and the Levite. He is moved towards us in our lowly suffering and in our lowly condition. And in that holy and perfect compassion rooted in his immeasurable love, he comes to us to offer healing. To offer rest where we thought there could never be any within our souls. And from that, he moves towards us, calling us just as he did in the garden, saying to each one of us, where are you? By name, where are you? As we said on Wednesday, reminded of the comfortable words we hear after our confession and his forgiveness and mercy is granted. He's crying out to us, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest instead of your burden. I will exchange your pain. I will exchange your suffering. I will exchange the burden of how you perceive yourself and the burden of your fallen condition. I will exchange it for rest. Who is Jesus? What is his disposition toward us? Let's go even further. The prophet Isaiah prophesied it. And Christ shows that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy when he speaks that prophecy, declaring of himself in St. Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is who Jesus is. There is never a moment that his nature and disposition towards you and towards me is anything other than this in these last days. This is how he presents himself to us. Now I want to say as a truth. We are to have still a healthy and righteous fear within us about Christ our God. But it is not the fear that paralyzes us from coming to Him. It is not the fear that hides oneself from Him because we're afraid. That is satanic deception that was found in the garden and exists today in our souls. Every one of us to a very degree. Our fear, the righteous fear of Christ when it comes to all of this, our fear of Christ should be this, that we should hide from Him. Our fear should be found in hiding from Him and rejecting His mercy and rejecting His healing, denying Him His great intent and ministry, and that is to bring healing and rest to your soul. Because this same Christ is going to sit, and we know this, on the judgment seat before, and all of our souls will go before Him. And we are only given this vapor of life, only this brief time, 
to let Christ be who he is in his nature toward us, to let him bind us up, to let him heal our wounds and make us what we once were with his restoration in our lives. And those who hide themselves from Christ, our Savior, now. He does this to me. He does this to you. Any day we do this, we will hear each time the words we should fear to hear. He'll say to us, thy will be done today. And you know what will happen? We will continue in chaos. We'll continue in our dysfunctions. We'll continue in our disorders and bondage and the demons will continue to beat us relentlessly and they will rob us once again of our true selves and every benefit from God, robbing us of our true birthright that we were given by the divine when we were created. When our soul goes before God, those that never let him heal, they're going to hear those same words that we fear to hear and our Lord laments to say, thy will be done. All of what I just shared for you about that aspect of this, the fear of the Lord, all that has to do with our will, not His. For He's the God who came to seek and save and bind up and heal and release from captivity. This is how He presents Himself to us. Because Jesus said, I've come to heal you who are broken. I've come to release you from the shackles of your bondage, of your besetting sins, of your addiction." I've come to open up your blind eyes so you can see me and really know me. I've come to give you freedom and release from your oppression that weighs so heavily down on you on a daily basis. And we see this very nature played out gloriously in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So how do we see him? How do you know him? Because if we see him and continue to see him through the lens of brokenness and deception, we will continue to hide from our healer when he comes and calls for us to come to him. But if we will see him as he is revealed to his church and as he is revealing to us even in these moments. If we see him for who he really is, as I said on Wednesday, we'll start running to him, not walking to him. For the healing that he offers so that we can be lifted up out of our addictions and dysfunctions. All of it. So that we can experience the reason that he came down to us as that good Samaritan to heal our soul and grant us his divine mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.